Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts and chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much? And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Now, you see here um, how, how Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they, as everybody is selling off their lands, bringing the money, laying it at the apostles' feet, they do likewise, but they keep back a little bit for themselves, Right? And uh, they, they lie about what the price was. By, by the way, the issue here is not that they didn't give enough. You see, in, for instance, in uh, verse 3, it says, Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? The, the issue here is not that they didn't give enough. The issue is that they lied to the Holy Ghost. And, and twice he says that. He says that Ananias lied to the Holy Ghost. Um, he says to, to Sapphira that they had agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord. When Peter says, "Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? There was no compulsion here. They were not compelled. They were not forced to take and sell their property. This is just what they were doing. And, and that's an important thing to understand about what's going on here. Uh, that this isn't something where, you know, these church leaders at, at Jerusalem are forcing everybody to sell all their property and bring it. It's just that they are in such, such accord with one another that they're willingly doing that. And Peter makes it clear here that, that Ananias and Sapphira, they were under no obligation to sell the land in the first place. What he says, he, he says, while it remained, was it not thine own? You know, it, Peter's kind of questioning, why was there even any need to, to lie about this? If you wanted to keep it, why not just keep it? Right? But what, what Ananias and Sapphira wanted to do is, as they saw other people bring, you know, selling everything that they have and bringing it to the apostles, they wanted to get the credit, see, they wanted to have the credit for selling this land and bringing it to the apostles, but at the same time, they didn't want to give up all of the, all of the value of it, 
right? So, so Peter says, while it remained, it was, it was your own. And even after it was sold, it was in your power. Even after they sold it, if they had wanted to only give, you know, 90% of it or 75% of it or 50% of it to the apostles, they had every ability to do that. It was in their power to do that. But you see, they wanted the, the credit and the recognition for having given all of it without actually giving all of it. And that's the sin there. The, the sin is that they lie regarding this thing. Now, it may seem, as you read the account, it may seem that the, the penalty uh, is very harsh, and, and certainly it is. Um, you see there that both Ananias and, and Sapphira, his wife, both of them, wind up dead. Um, it it uh, describes how Ananias, uh, it says that he, he fell down and gave up the ghost. Now again, notice that this is not something where, you know, the elders there at Jerusalem, the apostles at Jerusalem, um, you know, they didn't pass this down as some sentence upon them. But here Ananias and Sapphira both, when they're confronted about this thing, they, they fall down dead. And Ananias comes in first, he falls down dead. When it says that they, that they wound him, um, this is how they would prepare a body for burial. Okay, they would, they would wind it with cloth, and that's what they do. They prepare him for burial, they take him out and, and bury him, and that was something that took some time. So three hours later, uh, when, when uh, Sapphira comes in, it's, you know, they've just finished with Ananias, and so Peter can say that, that uh, the men that buried your husband, their feet are at the door, and they're going to carry you out, all right? And... Uh, so, so you see the, uh, the result there of their sin. Now, um, this part of the reason for this, remember that they are still, as we see, they're still operating under the law. These, these uh, believers here at Jerusalem, they're keeping the law. They're going to the temple at the hour of prayer. They're involved, even later in the book of Acts, we've talked about this. You see them uh, performing Old Testament vows and, and uh, those kinds of things. And under the Old Testament law... When you, when you made a vow unto the Lord, that was something that was punishable by death if you didn't perform it, okay? And the reason for that is that when, when you were vowing something, either, you know, vowing something in the name of the Lord or vowing something unto the Lord, and then you didn't perform the thing, what it, what it did is it, it defamed the name of the Lord, right? And so here for Ananias and Sapphira, for them to, to, you know, pledge this, this thing and say that they're giving all of this money when in reality they're not. It's something that, that uh, again, in a way defames the name of the Lord. And, and those kinds of things were always treated very, very severely uh, under the law. Now, we're not under that law. And, and, you know, if you were to commit this same thing today, uh, I don't think you would expect that God would strike you dead as, as uh, what happens here with Ananias and Sapphira. It doesn't mean it's any less serious. It doesn't mean that it's any less serious to, to do things that would, would uh, um, you know, in any way put any kind of negativity upon the Lord himself. But, but uh, again, you see that here with, with Ananias and Sapphira. And so it's important to understand what's going on there. It's important to understand that the sin is that they're lying to the Holy Ghost. Um, by the way, verse 4 is a, a good verse to keep in mind, or verses 3 and 4. 
Um, this is maybe maybe a little bit of a side note here with regard to the lesson. But look at verses 3 and 4 again. It says, But Peter said to Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, notice, and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not in thine own power? Or was it not thine own after it was sold? Was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And you see how the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in verse 3 is referred to interchangeably as God in verse 4. Um, the, the, Holy, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is God. And so in lying to the Holy Ghost about this thing, they lied to God himself. And, and that's true of all of the members of the Godhead. That's true of the Father. That's true of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Son. And that's true of the Holy Spirit. They're all God. And when you're dealing with any of those members of the Godhead, you're dealing with God. Uh, when people spoke to Jesus Christ when he was in his incarnation and, and was here present physically on the earth, they were dealing with God himself. And likewise, when you deal with the Holy Spirit, uh, you're, you're dealing with God himself. To lie to the Holy Spirit is to lie to God. And so it's, it can be good to keep those verses in, in memory. There are people who will view the Holy Spirit as just being sort of some impersonal force. And uh, uh, you see here that the Holy Spirit is God himself. To lie to the Holy Spirit is identical to lying to God. Um, this, this passage may bring up some questions about, about giving, because that's really the issue here, right? And, uh, you know, there's this issue of, of them giving, there's the issue of them lying to God. But let's look at a, a couple of other passages that have to do with giving to God. Um, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. Um, first of all, go to chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. One of the things that Paul did later, you know, later on as he's going around, he's establishing these churches and, and visiting these different churches, is that he was taking up collections for the poor saints at Jerusalem. Now, remember that, that again, what they're doing there is they're selling off their possessions and just living off that that uh, wealth that they had acquired previously, they're waiting for that kingdom to come. They're waiting for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and 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 really they're you know they're preparing to go through that time that the prophets talked about, that time of Jacob's trouble. But then you know looking beyond that to go into that kingdom, and as you know as they're preparing for that, they don't have in mind that there's going to be a delay in that program. Now here we are nearly 2,000 years later, and that kingdom hasn't been established. Those people that, you know, were looking for the soon fulfillment of those things, uh, they died out long ago, right? And that's because of the fact that the dispensation of grace was hidden. It was kept secret. Even, even there, even where we're at in Acts chapter 5, they don't understand anything about the dispensation of the grace of God. They don't understand about this, this delay that's going to be inserted into the program. And so Paul, as he would go out to these Gentile churches, he would take up collections for the poor saints because there came a point where those saints at Jerusalem, they had, they had used up everything that they had. And so Paul's going out to the Gentiles to encourage them to, to give so that he can take the money back to, to help, uh, help support these poor saints at Jerusalem. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. 
Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Now, uh, Paul probably writes more about giving here in the Corinthian epistles than in, in any of his other epistles. And uh, here, he, again, this is this... this uh, collection that he's taking up for the poor saints at Jerusalem, and apparently the Corinthians had committed themselves to give some money for this cause, and and apparently they had made uh, quite a generous commitment. Now, they had made the commitment, but they hadn't actually given the money yet, all right? And so Paul here is, is uh, he praises them for that forwardness that they had, that, that willingness that they had to make the commitment. Um, and, and he had used that as he went around to other churches and had said, you know, look, the, the Corinthians have committed to, to uh, give. And he would use that to encourage other saints as well to give. But what he's kind of worried about, you can, you can hear a little bit of apprehension there in his words, is that when it actually com- comes time to actually fulfill what they've committed, that it might not actually take place. Right? He, he talks about the possibility that he might be ashamed because he's boasted so much about them and about their willingness to give, and if they don't actually follow through, that uh, it's, it's going to cause him some shame. And, and so he uses the opportunity to, to encourage them with regard to some of these things with, with the giving. You, you see, he says about, uh, Paul always has kind of this way sometimes with some of these issues. You see it a lot in the, in the book of Philemon when he's encouraging somebody to do a certain thing. He, you know, he says in verse, in verse 1 of chapter 9, he says, As touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Superfluous means it's, it's, it's unnecessary. It's, you know, it's something additional that wouldn't really be necessary. But you see in his words, obviously he feels that it is necessary to write to them. So, so he, says, he says, well, I don't even need to write to you because you've been so, so forward, so willing to give, but, you know, and he just reminds them of those things. You, you see him using a lot of the same kind of uh, wording, like I say in the book of Philemon and other places where he's encouraging somebody to, to do something. Um, so you see in verse 5, then he says, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren. Uh, so, so he says it's superfluous to write unto you, but he's going to exhort these brethren to go there and, and put together the collection. At, at the end of, of verse 5, when he says that uh, this would be done as a, he says as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Now, in other passages, Paul talks about how he was going to come there to Corinth, and he didn't want there to be any collections when he was there. Because he didn't want people to be giving just to, you know, so that Paul sees how much I gave or something like that. Uh, and he didn't want people giving because of who, of who he was. You know, he, he knew that if he were to come there and he were to, to, you know, make a strong plea to them to give in person, they'd probably give more than what they might otherwise. But you see, Paul was always very careful about this. He didn't want anybody ever to think that especially when it came to money, that he was doing this just to just for his own covetousness, right? And and by not having any collection when he's there, 
he can avoid that. And so uh, he instructs them in other places how the collections ought to be taken in advance. And when he's there, you know, he can, he can uh, pick up the money. But he didn't want any collections while he was there. But he gives some further instruction here in chapter 9 regarding giving. He, he says in verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he, now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Uh, verse 11 says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Uh, Paul reminds them of this principle that you see all throughout the word of God of sowing and reaping. Now, this is something that if you, if you uh, listen to the televangelists, you know, they talk a lot about sowing and reaping, but in a lot of ways they get the, the principle wrong, okay? There is a principle of sowing and reaping, and it's, it's true what Paul says here, which is that if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly, and if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully, Right? If you you know if you're if you go out in the field and you don't plant very much seed, you're not going to get a lot of harvest. And if you plant a lot of seed, I mean there's there's other factors involved. But if you plant a lot of seed, that's how you that's how you get a big harvest, right? And and uh, Paul tells them that here with regard to this this giving. The problem with a lot of the prosperity teachers is they always make the assumption that if you sow the the uh, uh, you know, you sow money that you're going to give, that what you're going to reap is going to be money. And that's not Paul's point here. It's not that the more you give, the more money you're going to get, right? Now, he does talk about God, you know, the same verse 10 says, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and, and multiply your seed sown. Uh, you know, certainly he, he describes how uh, God, and, and primarily he does it through the church, uh, works to to meet the needs of believers and and that kind of thing, but nowhere in here, as Paul talks about sowing and reaping, is there the idea that if you sow money in giving, that God's going to make you rich in money and in in wealth. That's not the idea. the The harvest that it talks about um, is a is a harvest of spiritual things. It's a a harvest. You see, it describes their. Um, in verse 9, uh, it says, As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. And, and really, the issue, even with regard to the seed, is not that the money itself is the seed, right? If you go back into the parables of Christ, when Christ talks about seed, what's the seed that's sown? It's the word of God. And the idea is not, not so much that the money itself is the seed, but that the, the things that are given in allowing the word of God to go forth, that's the seed, right? That, that's his point here. And uh, again, he, he describes to them how if they sow sparingly, they're going to reap sparingly. And he encourages them not to sow sparingly, but to sow bountifully. 
Verse, verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 9 says, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings, excuse me, by many thanksgivings unto God, whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in, in you. And he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You see, he, he talks about how this gift is going to result in these saints whose needs are met, in them glorifying God because of these Corinthians. Um, you know, he, he presents that as part of the reward of giving that the saints that receive the gift uh, will glorify God be, because of them. We're going we're gonna to come to another passage in 2 Corinthians, but first I want you to go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 25, it says, he says, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Now, Macedonia and Achaia are the, the same places he was describing over there in Corinthians. Achaia, by the way, is, is uh, very close to Corinth. And, you know, he, he uh, mentions it there in the Corinthian epistle. Macedonia would be not far away as well. Uh, you see in verse 27, it says, It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Uh, Paul says, When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. You see, one of the things that uh, uh, Paul talks about as he's taking up this gift from these Gentile churches for the saints at Jerusalem. He says the Gentiles have been made partakers of these Jewish saints' spiritual things. There are spiritual things that pertain to Israel that God had given to the Gentiles. And so Paul says, look, if, if you've been the benefactor of receiving some of their spiritual things, then it's only right for you to to give to them some carnal things, right? Give to them some, some uh, physical things to help meet their needs of those poor saints at Jerusalem. So, you know, in some of these things that, that Paul is teaching and, and in this specific collection that he was taking up, there was that idea of the Gentiles having this obligation to support these Jewish saints because of the dispensational change that had taken place and, and the transfer of some of those spiritual things that had previously belonged to Israel that now were granted to the Gentiles. Um, so that's maybe just a, a little bit of a side note. But I do want you to go to one more passage, and that is in 2 Corinthians. Again, 2 Corinthians. But this time, go to chapter 12, verse 14. And, and this, is the real, this is the real point I wanted to get to, because a lot of times when it comes to giving in the church... Now, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, you see them, they're a good example of an improper way to give, right? They were, they were giving, the, the appearance seems to be that they were giving for, for recognition that it would bring to them, um, not, not truly from the heart or, or anything like that. Um, here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, um, there's a, a statement here in this verse that I think really is, is the, the main point when it comes to giving in the church. Verse 14, Paul says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, 
For I seek not yours, but you. For, he says, the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, he says, being, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? Um, and, and here when he talks about being burdensome and making gain of them, he's talking about with regard to giving, right? Um, he, he does say, by the way, up in, in uh, verse 13, he says, For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? He says, Forgive me this wrong. There were some other churches that Paul says he had been burdensome to, but not to the Corinthians. He says that when he says, Forgive me this wrong, he's, you know, he's speaking uh, somewhat facetiously. And here he says he's not going to be burdensome to them, but he says that what he seeks... And and what he's seeking there is really what God seeks. He says, I seek not yours, but you. The reality is that God isn't interested in your money in the way that many people think. God wasn't interested in Ananias and Sapphira's money and, and, you know, the price of the land. God is not, God's not limited by how much you give or don't give. All right. The issue is not that God seeks yours. And Paul says when he came to Corinth, he, didn't, he wasn't seeking there. He wasn't coming there to, to try and make gain of them and, and take away the things that they own. But he says, I seek you. Right? He says, I seek not yours, but I seek you. And that's what God wants. God doesn't want you to put more money in the offering plate. What he wants is he wants you. He wants, he wants all of you. Now, that might result in you putting more money in the offering plate. Right? But uh, uh, what God's interested in is you. And your money isn't you. So often, I think many times people are, are giving, they're giving in the offering plate so that they feel they don't have to give in other ways, right? But that's not what God's interested in. It wasn't what Paul was interested in. That's why, um, that's why the, when you see in Paul's epistles, other passages we could look at that talk about giving in the church. And he, he emphasizes the fact that it needs to not be out of obligation, it needs to not be of necessity. It needs to be out of a, a willing heart. It needs to be done cheerfully, right? Because the issue isn't how much you give. That, that's not the issue. Uh, the issue is, are you giving yourself to God? And, and again, I, I think many people, many people might give to a church so they don't have to give in other ways, so they don't have to give of themselves, and that's just, that's just the opposite. Give yourself to God and... You know, your, your church giving will be a part of that. But um, the, again, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to certainly give out of, out of fear. We can go back to our text there in Acts chapter 5. Um, the, the uh, with Ananias and Sapphira, both, you know, as word gets around about, about their deaths, uh, you see it says twice that people, people feared because of that. Um, in verse 5, it says, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And in verse 11, it says, And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And you see the result of it. Um, if you look at, continue on then in verse 12 of Acts chapter 5, what's the result of the fear there that they have? Verse 12 says, By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. 
And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women." insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. And, and you see the power of God there evident among those saints. We're just going to close there with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this admonition from your word. We thank you for the liberty that we have when it comes to to giving to you. Um, But we pray that we wouldn't give as as Ananias and Sapphira did, that we wouldn't give as a a, a matter of of recognition or, or status or anything like that, but we would give first of ourselves to you that we would give of ourselves and that our, our giving when it comes to money would just be a natural result of, of having first that willing mind and, and uh, of truly having, having given ourselves to you. And uh, we, just, we just thank you that in all these things, the power is not of us, but rather the power is, is you working in us. And, and we thank you and we rely upon that power to transform our lives and, and conform us to your image. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.